Hey, this is Travis Bennett, the pastor here at Arena of Life Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I pray this builds your faith, encourages you, and brings you to newer levels in Christ. Enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, while you're standing, have your Bible up and say, this is my Bible. I need all participation tonight. Say, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Tonight, I'm going to learn from the ever-living, incorruptible seed of the Word of God. I will never, ever, ever be the same again. Never. Amen. What was Batman without the Batmobile? He was nothing. Amen. We are nothing without the Word of God. Aren't you thankful for the Word? It's sharper. That's right. And it's still alive today. I mean, you know, Shakespeare and all his writings, they died years ago. But the Word of God is still alive today. If you have your Bibles, open them to Hebrews chapter 5. If you want to read along in the screen. I don't, have, I don't even have the scriptures on here. Jennifer, you gypped me. I'm going to have to find them here. As we're going here, uh, I want to tell you that tonight, I'm, I'm really passionate about this passage of text. The first time that I ever uh, heard somebody teach on this was at Southwestern, Southwestern Assembly of God University. And I remember this professor came in and he began to teach on this. And he talked about the meat and the milk of the word. And it grabbed a hold of my attention then, and uh, it wasn't until some years later that I really dug into it. And actually, those of you that follow us online in the morning, I kind of did a brief deal of this. Y'all remember when I talked about Hebrews 5 and Hebrews 6? There's been so many since then. And I'll, I'll promise not, I've been like preaching at 6.30 in the morning. I'll, I'll try to settle down so you can enjoy your coffee. But... Uh, Okay, but, but I think it was last summer. I briefly did this, and I told you guys, I promised you we would do a Bible school on it. But I am passionate about this text because I think it's very important that uh, we have an understanding and a foundation in our walk with Christ. Uh, I've read through the book, <clears throat> A Light and Darkness by Rick Renner. And it's the best $100 I've ever spent on a book. It is so good because he talks about the seven churches. And that's where I got a lot of the context when I preached the message on Jesus. How many of y'all were here for that when I talked about the seven churches? But in the city of Ephesus, uh, uh, he writes about, and this is not him, but he is writing the story of the history of what happened in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus was founded by Paul, uh, Timothy, 1st and 2nd Timothy, the, the, the letter from Paul to Timothy. Timothy is pastoring this church in Ephesus. And in Ephesus, we know this, uh, that there was a philosopher's square there. In fact, if you go to Ephesus today, there's these big arches that are still up today where philosopher's square was. And in 110 A.D., 110 A.D., they built a, uh, um, a library, and it was the largest library in the ancient world. In fact, it was, it was a huge library. Well, you know the story in Acts chapter 9 when Paul gives his life to the Lord. When Jesus comes to him, Jesus pursued after the rotten criminal that Paul was or Saul was. And Paul changed his life. As anybody can attest to, maybe you were a criminal at one time and God pursued after you. Amen? 
And so we know this from history, and you can read a lot about this in the light of darkness, that he went through lots of school because when he got saved, he got excited of what God had not only did in his life, but he got excited of what God had done in his generation of the Jews' life as well. And so we see in Acts chapter 18, no, not 18, 18 is during Corinth with Aquila and Priscilla. It'd be 19th. 19 because they they come off of uh, Corinth there and they go down to Ephesus. But it's down uh, probably verse 8. Verse, well, I have a Bible. It's all right. This is Bible school. I'm just going off the cuff here. Um, I'm sure I got it marked up. If not, y'all have grace on the preacher here tonight. Acts 19. It would be somewhere 8. Verse 9, but when some were becoming hard, this, this is, I'm reading that out of Amplified, hardened, disobedient to the word of God, discrediting and speaking evil of the way Jesus, Christ, uh, the way Jesus, Christianity, before the congregation, Paul left them, taking the disciples with him, and went on holding daily discussions in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. So he'd already been through schooling, and now he's at this place in Ephesus called the Hall of Tyrannus. And we know from history that this is right across the street from this, uh, this library that they called Philosopher's Square. We know that from history. Now verse 10. This continued for two years. So daily he held, I think the King James says that night and day he discussed lectures inside this hall of Tyrannus. What did he do? This continued for two years so that all the inhabitants, the west coast uh, province of Asia Minor, Jews as well as Greeks, heard the word of the Lord concerning eternal salvation through faith in Christ. So he was dedicated to, to, uh, to share the foundations of Christ to all the world. How many of y'all know the world would be a different place if everybody had a foundation of the word of God? Amen? In fact, those of you that were at uh, True Texas last night, a guy named Tim Harden spoke and he talked about, and it was super interesting, he talked about where we are in Texas, but he also talked about where we are as a government. He talked about capitalism. What, what is capitalism? Capitalism is this. Free market is good, and government control is bad. What is communism? Communism is free market is bad, and government control is good. And what is socialism? Socialism is the road to communism. So socialism, everything that they can get a hold of, they will get a hold of. And he began to, to, to look at all the different things of where we are in America, that we are at a place of socialism going to a place of communism. Well, I curse that in Jesus' name. Let me rephrase that, right? But as he talked about that, what was very interesting is he said this, and he was a believer. He said, you know what, the, the hardest hurt of what has happened in America is it's one thing that they hit the money it's one thing that they're in the government it's one thing that they've uh, you know gas prices and econo economics but you know what hurt us the most was when they got in the culture you know and he said this he said the only way that you can change one's views from, from uh, that conservative to liberal the only one who can do it or from liberal to conservative is Jesus. And when they really grab a hold of Jesus. Ain't that right? And so isn't it important as us as believers that we have a foundation of the word of God. That we present the gospel in a good way to lost people. So I'm, I'm here to just tell you this tonight. 
that uh, we may not do it morning and night like Paul did in um, Ephesus, but I believe it's very important that we have a foundation, education of the Word of God. Amen? So if you have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, that was just, I don't know why I shared that, but maybe y'all, some of y'all found that interesting. I love the history of the Word. It says this in verse 12, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. There's a reason I'm reading out of the King James. I'm really not this smart, but uh, we, there's some words in here we really need to get. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now we get to the text that we're going to call the big six. We got uh, uh, the big six. This is the teaching on the big six. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Everybody say perfection. Here's the first one, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Here's the second one, of faith toward God. Here's the third one, the doctrine of baptisms. There's not one baptism. In fact, there is not two baptisms. There are three baptisms, and we're going to talk about them. And of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So we're going to jump into the text here, and you can read along. I write this out because... Uh, I am not a teacher, I'm more of a preacher, and so I want to teach you tonight. It says this, scholars are not sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. Some think it was the Apostle Paul, which I probably lean on that probably the most. There are others who believe it was written by Barnabas. Others say it was Apollos or Priscilla, and some even believe it was written by Luke. But what we do know is that its real author was God. And it was designed for you and me. I love the book of Hebrews. Whoever wrote Hebrews, this is what we, we do know. The writer whom God used to pen this epistle was concerned about his readers. We can see his concern here in verse 12. Verse 12 says, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that, no one, that, that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong Meat. So it looks to me that Hebrew believers were stuck spiritually at a time when they should have already been uh, very advanced. They need to be taught the ABCs of their Christian faith all over again. Now I want to give you an illustration tonight. Can you imagine going into a kindergarten class? And there's all these kids on the first day of school. The little girls have their bows in their hair. The boys' hair is parted just right. And you go into this class and you see all these Precious little kids. And uh, uh, in the back of the room is a 60-year-old man. He's like, what's the creepy old man doing in the back of this, of, uh, of, of this school classroom? And the teacher says, well, that's so-and-so. Uh, he, he hasn't passed kindergarten yet. Oh, okay, so he never had an opportunity to go to school growing up? No. He's been coming here for... 55 years, and now he's 60 years old, and he's sitting in here with these kindergartners, and he hadn't learned anything. Can you imagine how crazy that sounds? But can I tell you, that's what the church looks like. 
I'm just going to be real honest with you. There's people that's been saved for 10 years and they don't know the fundamentals of the word of God. I'm going to tell you right now, you can't rely on your pastor to just teach it to you. You need to dig into the word of God. Amen. And we need to have a foundation on the inside of us. And so, uh, and, and, and I'll be, um, in fact, in that book, uh, Light and Darkness, one of the things that Renner always says, he said, we need a revival of the Bible. You know what will change the culture of the world today is a revival of the Bible. So as strange as this may sound, this happens all the time in the church. People come to Christ, and in a certain sense, they go to kindergarten spiritually. They are new Christians, and it's time for them to learn the ABCs of the Christian faith, the fundamentals, the fundamentals of the Word of God. But often because the believers don't apply themselves or because they are never correctly taught, they never really embrace and apply those foundational principles to their own lives. Therefore, they never graduate to the next level spiritually and they remain stuck in kindergarten. Just because you grow older in age doesn't mean that you're automatically maturing. I know many senior adults who are immature in the word. but That's okay. It's just time to grow. Right? In the same way, just being older in the Lord doesn't necessarily make you spiritually mature. You have to apply yourself to wisdom and become exercised by truth. First, you have to hear the truth and receive it as truth. Then you have to decide to act on the truth as a way of life. In this way, you are exercised by the truth, the process by which you mature, so you can eventually graduate to the next spiritual level. So I want to ask you tonight, what level of spiritual maturity do you believe that you are right now? Would you say you're still in elementary school? Or you've attained college level spiritually? Are you somewhere in between? Most importantly, what is your spiritual status in the eyes of God? I believe these are all important questions to ask ourselves. After all, this is Bible school, right? You're here because you're hungry for more of the Word of God. We all need to look at ourselves honestly to understand where we are and what we need to change in order to grow spiritually no one who remains stagnant grows. Let's say that again. I said it this morning probably. No one who remains stagnant grows. No one. You believe that? That's in business. That's in life. That's in anything. All right? So let's read it again. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that no one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Notice how this verse begins. For when the time ye ought to be teachers. This word ought is the Greek word ophelio. Which describes an obligation. An obligation. A necessity. Everybody say necessity. Something that should be achieved or accomplished. Something that is owed or a moral duty. It refers to a response to something a person has heard or seen. In this particular case, the word refers to Christians who have heard and seen a great deal of God's truth and are now morally obligated to be able to correctly communicate and even teach that truth to others. They've been in class so long that they should know the subject in and out. It goes on to say you ought to be teachers. The word teachers is the plural form of the Greek word didaskalos. 
This word didaskalos is a very important term here describing a masterful teacher or someone who is superior in his field of expertise. It was the very word used in the first century to describe rabbis. So the writer of Hebrews was basically saying to his readers, after all the church meetings you've attended and after everything you have heard with your ears and seen with your eyes, you are actually morally obligated by this time to be masterful at your subject. Ouch. Come on. Y'all lean in. This is good. That's what the word teachers in this context is meaning. The message being conveyed by the writer of Hebrews is clear. You need to be superior in this field of expertise in foundational biblical truths. In fact, with all you've seen and heard, you ought to be like a spiritual rabbi by now. Qualified to teach someone else because of everything you've heard and everything you have seen. This is a spiritual statement the Holy Spirit was making to those Hebrew believers. As well as us today. Think about your own life. Consider the amount of sermons, teachings, and lessons you have heard in church, audio, Bible studies, classes, internet, social media. Must I go on? If you're at all interested in spiritual matters, you have probably been inundated with the Word of God coming at you from every direction. And given the volume of spiritual information you have ingested over the years, you might conclude that you ought to be quite uh, far along spiritually. That was exactly the case with the Hebrew believers whom the writer of Hebrews uh, was particularly addressing in this epistle. However, in their case, they were not very far along spiritually at all. In fact, the writer went on to say, Ye have need that one teach you, again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. The word need is the word kriya, which describes a lack, a need, or a deficient, deficient, deficit, sorry. See, I ought to be, you ought to be teaching me, it sounds like. Deficit that needs to be met. The writer was identifying that these Hebrew believers had a spiritual problem. They were saved, but they didn't know the fundamental truths of Scripture they needed to build their lives on. They were still at a baby stage spiritually. So when the writer wrote, ye have need, he was saying, you have a deficit, you have a lack. Then he identified their need that someone teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. I'm telling you, you guys are going to learn something tonight. The word principles is the Greek words stoichen or something like that. Come on. That was, that was Texan Greek right there. Stoichion. Stoichion. I don't know. This word describes basic elements, fundamentals, or rudimentary knowledge. The word first is a Greek word arches or arcus. Describes the first, the beginning, or something elementary. Early philosophers used this word, Stoichion, to describe the ark, the first elements, in other words, the element without which nothing else could find existence. These are the elements that form the building blocks comprising all of constructed creation. So these principles are the basic truths upon which rests the entire house of New Testament truth. 
So in, he, in Hebrews 5.12, the word storchen refers to foundational knowledge, or as the verse states it, first principles. So by saying first principles, the writer was describing the fundamental knowledge that is required for every believer to obtain before he can advance to a higher level of spiritual education. The big six. An example in the natural, the first principles concept would be a child learning to read. The child can't read deep, intellectual, complex literature until he first learns the ABCs and how to read simple English sentence structures in elementary level literature. Only then can they move on to literature that contains a more complex sentence structure and move into a deeper and more profound concept. Let's now skip to Hebrews 6, 1, and 2. And we are given the big six principles of the doctrines of Christ that every Christian should know. We got it up here. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ... Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Verse 2. Of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. So here's the six. Number one, repentance from dead works. Number two, faith toward God. Number three, the doctrine of baptism. Z. Baptisms. Number four, the laying on of hands. Number five, resurrection from the dead. And number six, the doctrine of eternal judgment. Sing it with me. A, B, C, easy as A. All right, we need to teach choir next. That's next on the list. So when believers do not know these fundamental doctrines, it causes them to struggle and make catastrophic, catastrophic, you know, when I'm typing, I know what I'm saying. All right? Mistakes in their lives. Had these Hebrew believers who were being addressed learned these foundational doctrines earlier, they would have been further along in their walk with God. But because they had never learned these six basic doctrines, they were still in the spiritual beginner's kindergarten class. This is also a very real issue in today's church. Many Christians try to act like they are on a very advanced spiritual level, but too often they don't even know the ABCs of their Christian faith, and the lack of knowledge causes them to make critical mistakes. Here's an example. I'm going to give you an example of this. and This is, not, uh, this is a friend of mine, and it was in his ministry. He was about to, um, he was about to make this, this intern in the youth ministry, he was about to make him the youth pastor. Well, as he was in his office, uh, well, he, he was in that transition. And there was some particular things that were said, and, and he heard this from somebody else. It said that he had told somebody in the congregation this, you don't have to be baptized to be saved, which is true, right? We confess him as the Lord and Savior. I believe people that have died on their deathbed and didn't get baptized, I believe they're in heaven. Amen? Come on. I believe that. Confess with the mouth of the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that he died and the third day rose again. He come live on the inside of you. It's Romans 10, 9, and 10. But so, so the pastor called in this young man and he said, I heard you say that and that is true, but I want to ask you in your life, have you been baptized? He said, no. 
because you don't have to be baptized to be saved. And so because of that thinking, what is baptism? It's an act of obedience. Right? It's an act of obedience. And that act of obedience is going to open up other doors in your life. And because of that thinking of him not having foundational belief thinking, I'm telling you that would hinder him from going where God wanted him to go. And how many of y'all know we got to have foundational believing? we got to have foundational things of what we believe. So let's go back to Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. We're going to continue in this. For when you for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. So verse 12 goes on to say, Ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. This word teach comes from didasko, which is the same root word from from which the earlier Greek word translated teacher is derived. The word didasko describes the systematic learning of the student through the ever-present instruction of a teacher. So this was the equivalent of saying you need to go back to kindergarten, start all over again. You need a teacher who will sit by you and establish you systematically in truth, the truth that you didn't get when you were younger. The verse goes on to say, stating that these same believers had become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. This is so good. The word milk is translated from the Greek word gala, or gala, which is simply the word for milk or the substance that is given to sucklings. It also carries the meaning of baby food. So please see this. These believers had been saved a long time, possibly for decades, yet the writer of Hebrews basically told them, you're so undeveloped spiritually in the word of God that you're still on milk. You're still a suckling spiritually, unable to consume meat. You are still on baby food. Isn't that something? The phrase strong meat is a translation of the Greek word stereotrophus. A better translation of this Greek word would be solid food. These believers weren't able to consume more advanced solid food. They were still on the milk of the word, even though they had been saved for a long time and had heard and seen a lot. Now let's look at verse 13. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Again, this word milk is from the Greek word gala. Everyone who is on spiritual baby food is unskillful in the word of righteousness and is a spiritual babe. The word unskillful comes from the Greek word aperos, which is a form of the word. I even asked Alexa what this word was, and she couldn't tell me. I spelled it out for her and everything. It's a form of the word parazo, and it means to test. But when the letter A is added to the beginning of the word, it becomes aperos, which means something unskilled, something untested, something undeveloped, or someone who is inexperienced. So here we see the writer of Hebrews saying to us, the people who are not really established in foundational truths, who are inexperienced in deeper spiritual truths and matters, and who are undeveloped spiritually, these people will come to illogical spiritual conclusions. I've seen it happen a long time. Haven't you, Pastor? Ouch again. So this verse is actually saying that everyone who is on the milk or the baby food of the word 
is undeveloped, unskilled, and inexperienced in the word of righteousness. And it's important to note that this phrase, the word of righteousness, here is portrayed as a very high level of spirituality. I can safely say that churches are full of people who fit this description. They ought to be spiritual adults by now, but they are still spiritual infants because they have not been exercised by the word of God. Exercise, that's the word. Consequently, there is a great number of modern-day Christians who are confused about what is morally right and what is morally wrong. They remain silent on issues like homosexuality, gender confusion, adultery, fornication, and the list goes on. The list of things that destroy people's minds, their emotions, their families, their lives. And they do it out of confusion because of lies or fear of being viewed as judgmental. Without the foundation of the word of God, they are, they are left blowing in the wind. Come on, isn't this good? Is it starting to clear some things up of somebody you know out there? It's like, man. Ephesians chapter 4. Will you put it up on the screen for me? Ephesians 4, 14. That we henceforth be no longer children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine. And how many of y'all know every wind is out there today? Right? Can we all agree on that? Every wind of doctrine by the, the slate of, of men, and their cunning and craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. This helps explain why there are large numbers of present-day believers who, like infants, have put a lot of spiritual poison into their spiritual mouths that isn't safe for consumption. As a result, the mixing of truth with incorrect teachings not only weakens their foundation and minimizes their ability to produce fruit that is eternal, but it can also pull them so far off course that it eventually results in spiritual shipwrecks in various areas of their life. This is what happens when Christians don't know the Bible. They have no foundation to stand on. These rudimentary principles of the word are essential. There's a COVID word. Essential. In order for them to mature and to be able to walk out God's plan for their lives as spiritual adults. So when they lack this foundational knowledge, this verse states how God sees them. They are spiritual Babes, going back to that, that scripture there in um, Hebrews 5, the word babe is the Greek word napios. It simply describes a suckling or an infant still nursing at his mother's breast. That is not who you want to be spiritually. That is not who you want to be spiritually, Right? The next verse points you in the direction you want to pursue. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. Let's read verse 14. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. As we covered earlier, the phrase strong meat, com meat comes from the Greek word stereostrophos. And it refers to solid food. Solid food is consumed by adults. Those who are of full age, and it's what is required for an adult to obtain his health and remain strong. The phrase full age is the Greek word teleon, which describes an adult with adult responsibilities. This is what we desire for ourselves and for our children. 
family members, friends, co-workers, for everyone we care about. We don't want anyone to stay in kindergarten for the rest of their lives. Right? Moms and dads. Or in your basement. Hallelujah. That's a prophetic word for somebody in the room. All right? Not emotionally, not in their gifting, not in their vocation, and absolutely not spiritually. We want everyone to come to full age, prepared to handle every aspect of life on this earth wisely and maturely as adults. Benefits from maturing. In Hebrews 5.14, we find that when you graduate spiritually, when you get off the milk of the word and begin to consume solid food, that solid food nurtures you so that you can begin to think and behave like a spiritual adult. In fact, the verse goes on to say strong meat or solid food belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. This word exercise is translated from the Greek word uh, gumnazo. It's where we get the word gymnasium. But the literal meaning of this Greek word pictures an athlete who exercises naked. This word, you can laugh. That's gross, right? Can you imagine going to the gym? Lord have mercy. This word was used specifically to describe Greek athletes who were completely committed to their preparation, training. And we talked a little bit about this when we did... Um, uh, when we talk uh, spiritual warfare, y'all remember that? Yep, training and successful competition. So before they trained or competed, they would strip off their clothes and remove every possible impediment because they wanted their limbs to be able to freely move without external garments to hinder their movement or get in their way. The visual example vividly represents the serious spiritual commitment required in our Christian walk. We are to be among those who say, I am so committed to the successful outcome of the spiritual race before me that I am diligently working on removing every hindrance from my life. Right? When the Word of God is working in your heart and mind, you are exercised by it so you can come to a place spiritually where you're able to discern good and evil. As it says in, text, in the text, Hebrews 5.14, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So the word discern is the Greek term diakrisis. And it means to perceive, it means to discern, it means to judge. As the Word of God works in you, it elevates you to a higher level in the Lord. You don't have to stop and wonder, I wonder what God's will is in this situation. Uh, amen? Thank God for His Word. You will have already discerned His will because you know His Word and you have been exercised by it. You know how to act spiritually because you have grown into a spiritual adult. Here's another great point about this word exercise. The Greek word gumnazo also pictures the fiercest kind of exercise. Thus the writer is, is referring to truly strenuous spiritual activity. He wrote that when you're exercised by the word of God, when you commit yourself to allowing the word, the word to do its full work in you, that process brings you to a position of maturity in which you are able to discern good and evil. 
We saw that the word discern means to perceive, to discern, or to judge. It also pictures common sense. Can I tell you the word of God will give you common sense? Right? I know some people that need to read it. Just watch the news. When the word of God is working in you and your natural senses and faculties are being exercised by the Bible, you will, you will have the ability to perceive. Anson, are you not receiving anything right now? Oh, okay. Anybody else need to go? <laughs> you may be excused. You will have the ability to perceive what's right and what's wrong. You won't have to stop and think, I wonder what the will of God is. I've already read that in this situation. Because you already know it. And the reason you will know God's will is that you know his word, which provides that information. You won't have to think, I wonder what is morally. I've already read this. Man, I got confused. I, I think I've already said this, but. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to say it again, but it's so good, I guess. I wrote it twice. You won't have to think, I wonder what is morally right in this situation. The Bible is continually working in you, and you've continually been exercised by the Bible, consuming its content like solid food. That's where I was trying to get to. As a result, you already know what's right and wrong in the situation. Looking at what the wording means, you could translate the text like this. When a person is exercised by Scripture, his mind will become so sharpened that he will have both spiritual wisdom and more common sense than most people. He or she will be able to quickly perceive what is right or wrong in situations that arise. People who are indoctrinated in biblical truths are simply out in front of the rest of the crowd when it comes to wisdom and common sense. This is exactly what this verse teaches. They are easily able to look at any given situation, doctrine, or statement and say, okay, that's crazy or that's on point. Because their inner man and mind are so exercised by God's in e eternal truths that have inwardly and mentally developed them. As you diligently continue your own spiritual pursuit, you will advance to higher levels of education in the Lord. Your part is to obey the principles you already know. Right? Let's obey the principles we already know. And I put that in there for a reason tonight because I don't want you to think, oh, maybe I'm totally confused. No, you need to stay in the Word of God. Don't wait till this class is over. I just want to make sure that we're all on the same level ground of the foundations that he put before us. I mean, y'all know it's important that we're in unity in these things. In unity. Amen? That we, that, that we breathe the same way. As you're faithful to do that, God will teach you more from his word about what it means to act spiritually as an adult. Handling wisely the affairs of your life. This is the process God has set up for each of us as his children to undergo. This is his will for all of us. How many of y'all get something tonight? How many of y'all excited for the six? Amen. I'm excited uh, to share the six with you. Um, I'm, I'm about halfway through writing some things out here. So um, next week we're going to go on. We're not going to stay where we are, but we're going to go on. I mean, y'all ready to go on? Amen. 
And if you're at that place uh, where you feel like you're stuck spiritually, and I believe that there was, this is going to be groundbreaking for you to go where God has called you to go and do what God has called you to do. Because I'm telling you, uh, I'm, I believe the Word of God is to be, is, as you read it, is to, is to get revelation. Not just to read it, just revelation, to get revelation. I'm telling you, when He reveals it to you, and it just, I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. When you've read something over and over and it goes, it's like, when yeah, I think about uh, the second uh, Back to the Future. When, when, when he sees, you know, that shark that comes out. You know what I'm talking about? The three, one. And that's when the, when the word just comes out. I'm telling you, that's when you know the word's alive. Amen. Aren't you thankful that you serve a God that left you the word of God? Amen. Let's all stand to our feet tonight. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be together. Lord, to study your word, to dig deep on God, what you would have in store for us. And so, Lord, I just pray, Lord, as these warriors, as these people that are doing battle, God, that as they are in here, uh, Lord, I just pray for them right now. I pray that their heart is open to receive from the word. Their heart is to get revelation from the Word of God. And those, God, that feel like they, uh, they bore witness with that tonight, that, they, that, that, that they, they've been on milk for way too long. They've been on milk because this is, you know, I, 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 you know, this is how I was raised, or this is just, this is just the way that I do it. God, I pray that that is broken off of them. And, Lord, that they would pick up the strong meat of the Word of God. And, Lord, as they do that, Lord, they would teach their kids. They would teach their grandkids. They would teach God people around them because they come confident. Lord, that they would see morally what is right, what is wrong. God, during the time and day that we live in, Lord, I pray that the strong meat of the Word of God gives them wisdom. Gives them direction. Gives them understanding, God. To fight the good fight of faith. To press on to the mark of the high calling that you have in store for us. Lord, that they would get the strong meat for the purpose of what they, you have in store for them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below. And if you haven't already, subscribe and share this message. It helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you. Be sure to stay connected to us through our Church Center app, our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Thanks again for listening. Go and make a difference today.